you for tuning in to another episode of Teen Gen Talks, the podcast, where the goal is to empower the youth of Glendale and connect youth to community resources, individuals, and organizations through interviews and discussions. I'm your host, Desiree, and I had the pleasure of talking with Lynn Slaughter. Lynn is the author of award-winning novel, Laisha's Song. She earned her MFA in writing popular fiction from Seton Hill University. Her previous young adult novels also include It Should Have Been You, a Silver Falchion finalist, and While I Danced, an Epic finalist. The ridiculously proud mother of two sons and grandmother of five, she lives in Louisville, Kentucky, where she is at work on her next novel and serves as the president of Derby Ryan's Scoundrels, her local sisters and crime chapter. I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, thank you, Lynn, for taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk with me. We have a lot to discuss. Right. That's true. <laughs> um, to start off the interview, I want to touch upon your time as a dancer and dance educator. To mm-hmm. you, what does dance mean and how did dance impact your life? Oh, my goodness. What a great question. Yeah, well, uh, Desiree, from the time I was a little girl, I just uh, could not not move. When I'd hear music, I'd want to move and I'd want to dance. I just felt a passion for that very early on in my life. So I became, uh, not too surprisingly, I became a dancer. And that was my career for a very long time. So Dance, uh, I think, is such an amazing form of expression, and uh, I felt it connected to every piece of me, you know, my physicality, my emotions, my my, uh, cognitive stuff, everything, my spirituality, everything. Um, I think dance is a pretty amazing, amazing art form, and uh, when I got uh, uh, too injured and too old to dance anymore, I felt very lucky to uh, find another very rewarding career in writing. So, yeah. Um, was that difficult to transition from going to dance to writing? A little bit, yes and no. Um, I should back up and say that when I was still dancing and I was teaching a dance at a performing arts high school and I teenagers were just always my favorite age group to work with so I began freelancing writing magazine articles for regional parenting magazines about the challenges of adolescence and and parenting teens and and um, so I I got pretty deeply into the research and interviewing uh, not only teenagers, but uh, parenting experts and psychologists, et cetera. So when I, um, when I stopped dancing, uh, I was really grieving, uh, you know, the, sorry, the loss yeah. of that identity. You know, I just kind of always thought of myself as a dancer and I lived in that world for a long time. And I got this idea for a story about a young dancer who had all kinds of family and personal problems. Um, And that story became my first novel while I danced. Well, I really didn't think I had the fiction gene. And I initially, I I thought, you know, this is sort of a therapy project. I'm grieving over the loss of dance. So I can write about a dancer. 
But then the weirdest thing happened, Desiree, I got hooked on mm -hmm. writing fiction. So in my 60s, I went back to school, this little old lady, uh, and earned my MFA in writing popular fiction from Seton Hill University. And then I just kept going. Uh, and I, I really got hooked. And I, I discovered something else where uh, I could go into the zone, just like I used to be able to and dance and kind of lose all track of time and, and just be totally involved in something. So I felt very lucky to find something else that really engaged me the way dance did. And you touched upon this a little bit, you know, grieving the loss of an identity and then trying to invent a new dream in a way. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for somebody that's maybe struggling with that? I think you just have to be open to the fact that nothing in life is permanent. And to truly love things um, means that probably at some point you're going to lose them. And that includes people. Right. You know, that uh, relationships, in fact, are not forever because nobody gets out of here alive. Mm -hmm. and, you know? yeah. <laughs> so uh, at some point, uh, I think all of us have to deal with loss and, and change. And I think the most important thing is to allow yourself to grieve and feel those feelings, mm -hmm. but also to reach out and try to say, well, what else is out there? What else could I maybe find? Um, and for some people, this happens much younger than it did to me. I danced into my 50s. I was very fortunate. But for some young people, an injury can end uh, the dream of being becoming a dancer or maybe an athlete or something. And then you, you do have to try as hard as you can to not deny the feelings, but also try to move forward. And Deadly Setup is your most recent book. Can you tell us a bit more about it and the inspiration behind it? Oh, you are such a good interviewer. Oh, you thank you. prepared these questions. I can tell you're doing such a good job. Thank you. Um, okay, well, I'd be glad to. Sam is 17, and she is the daughter of a New England heiress. And just when she has finally uh, gotten into her first real serious relationship and things are going fairly well for her, her life implodes. She gets arrested and goes on trial for the murder of her mother's fiance. And she fights to prove her innocence with the help of her boyfriend's dad, who is an ex-homicide cop. The book is also about Sam's very difficult relationship with her mother. Mm. Her mother is not very emotionally supportive of her, doesn't even believe her when she says, look, mom, I didn't do this. Mm -hmm. And it's a very difficult relationship. And as you mentioned, all my books seem to be about people involved in the arts. <laughs> and um, although I became a dancer, my family is really littered with jazz musicians. So I grew up listening to jazz and blues and standards for musicals, that kind of thing. And I, I love that music. 
So it was kind of fun for me to have a character who also was kind of into that. And her late father and grandfather sort of passed on their passion for this kind of old time music to her. So that was one of the inspirations for the book. The premise though, I think uh, probably came from a story long ago that stuck with me. Many decades ago, there was an actress called Lana Turner. Her daughter, Cheryl Crane was arrested for shooting her mother's boyfriend. And that story, this is way before the internet, but that story really stuck with me. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that would not be like to, you know, to be in that situation. And it was splashed all over the tabloids and the fan magazines and the newspaper. So I never forgot it. The other thing is I grew up uh, in a very wealthy community from about sixth grade through high school. I lived in Greenwich, Connecticut. And whereas my family lived in a pretty modest apartment in downtown Greenwich, I had several friends who lived in these enormous mansions. They had every possible material advantage, but quite a few of them had parents who paid remarkably little attention to them. And looking back, I realized they were emotionally neglected. Mm. And that is part of what Sam is dealing with as well. So that was another kind of inspiration for the book. And what is your writing process like and does it change with every new um, book project? Mm, what a great question. Okay. I, I usually start out with some kind of a premise. Okay, so like with um, deadly setup, as I mentioned, the premise is what, you know, what would happen if you got accused of murdering your mother's lover, you know, um, or another book I wrote, it should have been you. The premise was act uh, actually inspired by one of my adult dance students who told me at one point that when she was in high school, her twin was murdered. And uh, the, the case was never solved. So I thought, holy guacamole, you know, that, that story stuck with me. And then I wanted to write about what would happen to someone whose twin was murdered and who then began receiving some threatening emails herself. Um, but Desiree, after I, I get a premise, I don't start plotting immediately. Uh, the first thing that I do is I really work on developing my characters, especially uh, their backstories, what experiences they've had that have shaped who they are, and what their conflicts and what their issues are. And I find that if I do that before I start plotting, that I get all kinds of ideas about how these characters will intersect, and conflict with one another and what plot complications might come out of, of their personalities. Um, and I owe that insight to a wonderful writer, uh, Elizabeth George. She's written a couple of craft books. One's called Right Away and another one I think is called Mastering the Process. And she, she recommends that you really work on character development before you plot. And that, that I have tried to do. 
uh, pretty consistently with each with each novel I've written. And for Deadly Setup, then, uh, was there, um, you know, a hard part to write? Like, what was the hardest part to write during the writing process? And I guess maybe the easiest, too. Mm, great question. Um, well, <clears throat> Deadly Setup is the first book in which I've actually had a courtroom drama. Mm. So I really need, needed to do some research on what, uh, how a legal case would go all the way from the arrest to, you know, meetings with your lawyers to uh, courtroom, what would happen inside a courtroom. And I was very fortunate because I reached out to some attorneys who were willing to help me and review the manuscript, uh, make sure that I wasn't completely off the wall in, in, what, in what I was writing. So uh, that was very helpful. And then I did a lot of research just, you know, on the internet, uh, reading about uh, opening statements that defense uh, lawyers and prosecutors would make and closing statements and, and things like that to help me bring some authenticity to it. That was a hard part for me, but it was also fun because I always wanted to try to do that. And I've always liked courtroom dramas. Right. And, and you learned something new too, I guess. You know? I know. I, it really is, you know, as much as we talk about how great it is to write about worlds we know, it's also great to explore worlds that we don't know much about yeah. and to, you know, immerse ourselves in these whole other worlds. So that part is fun. And when it comes to the publishing process, what has that journey been like for you to become a published author? Oh my goodness. It's been really, really up and down. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mostly uh, published with small presses, which have not required me to have an agent. And that has been... Um, an up and down experience uh, in the sense that I just, I think that publishing is a business mm. and rejection is inevitable and you are going to get rejected. Uh, and then hopefully you find those publishers uh, or publisher who just thinks your work is, is good and they, they want to uh, bring it out there. I had kind of a difficult experience with Alicia's song, which was my third novel. Uh, at that point, I did have an agent. Alicia's song was about a young woman of color and uh, I am not. Although I have an African-American grandson, I'm very close to, who's a teenager, and I had lived and worked in a community of color. However, my agent did not uh, want to submit my book to any major publisher. Uh, she, it's quite controversial. And some people feel that if it's not your identity group, you have no business writing about that identity group. So we eventually amicably parted ways. And then I went back to querying small presses. And that's how I found um, Fire and Ice, and uh, they're about to, that's part of Melange Books, and Melange Books is about to put out my, 
the third novel I've done with them. So they've been very good to me. So that's, that's kind of my publishing journey. And what do you hope people feel or, you know, say whenever they pick up one of your books and read them? I hope it kind of tugs at their heartstrings a little bit. You know, I hope that they identify with these characters. There is some humor in my books too, um, but, but there are some pretty serious subjects. Um, and I hope that what they will take away is caring about these characters. And also a theme that I think has run through a lot of my books is that when you are in a situation where your family maybe can't truly accept or care about you in a positive way, that it's possible to create your own intentional family, to reach out and find people who will be your tribe if your family of origin maybe can't be. Um, and Missed Q is the novel you are currently working on. Can you tell us a bit about it and how has that process been going for you? Okay, well, I'm about to get the final edits for that because that's coming out this summer. Uh, but it's actually my first novel for adults. And it, it happened sort of accidentally that I wrote this novel <laughs> because <laughs> I had a friend who's a writer who said, oh, Malice Domestic's doing this anthology called Murder Most Theatrical. And why don't we write short stories to submit uh, for this anthology? Well, this anthology is, you know, kind of adult oriented. So I got this. I, I'm really not a short story writer ordinarily, mm -hmm. but I got this idea about um, a ballerina <laughs> who would who would fail to awaken in act three of the final <laughs> rehearsal of Romeo and Juliet. And she misses her cue to awaken because she's dead. Um, so I wrote this short story about the investigation. Well, then I thought, you know, I couldn't really explore uh, the personal life of this detective who's sort of a hot mess her personal life, even though she's a very good detective. I couldn't really develop the story. So I decided I'm gonna expand this and, and write this novel. And of course, this is during the pandemic. Uh, so I'm working away, I can't go anywhere. Um, and that, <laughs> that kind of turned into um, Miss Q, which ended up having a different murderer and uh, a whole different, you know, once I got deeply into the story, but, but it was kind of interesting to write, write a book for adults because that just has not been, has not been what I've done before. So, so it was interesting, but now I'm back to, now I'm, I've gone right back to uh, the novel I'm pr presently working on uh, called Missing Mom is right back to being a, a young adult sort of coming of age romantic mystery about a, a girl whose mother just disappears one day, doesn't show up to pick uh, her little sister up from day camp. And circumstantial evidence is pointing to, it looks like a probable suicide, but 
They haven't recovered a body. She doesn't believe that her mother was suicidal and she refuses to believe that. So she's determined to figure out what happened to her mother. That's the premise. And before we end, I have some rapid fire questions to ask you. The first okay. question is, what is your favorite color? Periwinkle. <laughs> I, love, I love almost anything in the blue and purples mm. and purplish blue and all that stuff. Yeah. When are you the happiest? Oh, my goodness. Well, probably I'm the happiest hanging out with my husband, my grandchildren, uh and of course i'm very happy when the writing is going well so so i was kind of love and work mm -hmm. think, you know but i would have to say relationships are really right up there i just you know um love the people in my life very much knowing what you know now what advice would you give your 18 year old self <gasps> oh I guess I would say stand up for yourself and what you believe and what you want. And uh, I would probably advise myself to be less of a pleaser. I tried very hard to please people in my life. And it took me a long time to figure out that this was my life. And I needed to make decisions that were right for me and not just to kind of please other people. So I would definitely say, love yourself, take care of yourself, believe in yourself and, uh, and stand up for yourself. I was a bit of a wimp, doesn't no, it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't be a wimp. <laughs> Advice, don't be a wimp. <laughs> Um, if you could have three people, dead or alive, for dinner guests, who would they be? I'd probably love to have um, maybe Margot Fontaine. She's a wonderful ballerina. I'd love to have Chris Crutcher. Chris Crutcher is a terrific young adult uh, writer who is also a psychotherapist. And uh, he wrote a wonderful book. Well, he's written a lot of wonderful books, but one of my favorite books of all time, it's called Staying Fat for Sarah Byrne. And it's really a good book. So I probably love to have him. Oh, and for fun, I'd love to have Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very charismatic president. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, what is a book that you have read recently or are currently reading that you would recommend? Okay. Well, I have a confession to make, which is that I really like reading books that are written by people I've either known or I've talked to or I have some connection with. So right now I'm reading a book that is uh, a mystery about a ballet dancer. It's called Murder in Second Position by Lori Robbins. Well, now how I got interested in this book was that when I was interviewing this violinist, she said, oh, you know, I know another ex-dancer who now writes mysteries and her name is Lori Robbins and I'd love to connect you. So she kind of connected us. We've been emailing 
back and forth. So I just got really curious about her work. And now I'm reading this book, which is fun because not only is it about the arts, which I love, and it's a history, but it gives this whole like behind the scenes of what it's like to be in a ballet company in New York City. And it's and that's fun. So that's what I'm reading right now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. We learned a lot about you. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to sit down and talk. Can you let everyone at home know about any upcoming projects and where they could connect with you? Connecting with me, the best thing to do is go to my website, which is very easy, www.lynnslaughter.com. And uh, in, I think it's June or July, my next book will be out, Miss Q from Melange Books. And I mentioned that I'm working on Missing Mom. I'm also uh, working on, believe it or not, a middle grade fantasy that is supposed to be a metaphor for trans kids who think that they've landed in the wrong body. And what I mean by that is it's about Barney, a kid vampire who hates the taste of blood He's convinced he's landed in the wrong body. And when a friendly witch gives him the opportunity to swap lives with a human boy, who's also unhappy with his life and who would rather be a vampire, uh, he grabs the chance. And so the book is about the challenges they encounter swapping lives and uh, also about their final decision as to whether they will stick with their new identities or go back. So, so that's a whole other, very different thing than what I usually write, but, but uh, it's just been fun. Awesome. Well, again, once again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to get to know you. Oh, and yeah, Thank you. You're a great interviewer. Now tell me, are you a writer? Oh, no, but I did graduate with a journalism degree um, oh, wow. from my university. So um, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of incorporating my degree into the library world. Yes, absolutely. Well, you yeah. just had a wonderful interviewer and it was oh, so nice you. to be with you, Desiree. Yeah, it was so lovely getting to know you. Did you enjoy this episode? I'm sure you did. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, both on Facebook and Instagram at LAC, And follow us on Spotify and Apple or anywhere where you get your podcasts from at Teen Gen Talks. Also make sure to give us a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Glendale Library Arts and Culture, where we post the full video episodes every Friday at 4.30 p.m.